You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! <laughs> Welcome back to the Stateside Podcast. My name is James McMillan. I am your host. And in the dark, dark corner is Andrew Carrion, my best friend, co-host, and producer of the show, Andrew. What's up, man? What's up? Well, today we have a very delicious guest. Yeah, that's right, delicious. <laughs> we have Jeremiah Scarum of Scarum Management. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Is that correct? You are. Okay. You are, yeah. Good. That is correct. It's not Scarum. It's not Scarum. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, 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 could, I could give you the origin uh, of it if you would like. If I, not, we yes. Can. Yes, please. Yeah, dude. Uh, so it's actually Italian, uh, believe it or not. Um, and it the full name is Scarambolo. Uh, but when my grandpa Nick came over from Italy, uh, when he got to Ellis Island, they cut, they cut the bolo part off. Uh, and it's just scarum. So oh, wow. anyone who anyone who is a scarum in the United States is a direct relative of mine. Ah, which that's is pretty so cool. funny. It's so funny yeah, that yeah. we did that to immigrants. I mean, my family is similar. My mom's side of the family, her last name is Lynn, but it used to be O Lynn. You know, like an Irish name. They did that with Probably a lot of Irish sure. names yeah, too. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's really. It's, super funny like growing up you know it was it was i was like oh are you gonna go scare him it's like oh yeah cool joke but <laughs> that, hilarious um but, <laughs> uh yeah no i mean it, it's great though because uh you know with scare management it's gino and i um he's my cousin um so it was kind of that was kind of like the natural you know name we were kind of kicking around names when we uh you know when we started the company it's so, like what we were going to call it and we we're just like, yeah, let's just let's just use our last name, dude. Like, yeah, let's just go with it. Don't overthink it, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, can you kind of give, you know, for the audience at home, you know, just give a quick bio, you know, the the five minute introduction on who you are, so people have some reference on what you do and how you kind of started. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so I am a co-founder and artist manager. Uh, at Scare Management. Like I said, I started the company in 2015 with my cousin Gino. Um, we were actually both on tour together um, when we started. We were over in Europe um, with uh, Chelsea Grin, The Browning, um, Silent Screams, and uh, more than a thousand. And um, we kind of got approached when we were on that tour um to start a management company and uh you know it was kind of something that we were always kicking up worlds and you know especially 
that was always like kind of the natural progression, you know, like we all, we kind of recognize that like, we can't tour forever. So, uh, you know, what's coming after, after tour. And, uh, it was kind of the natural step was just to, you know, to move into the management. Um, so yeah, uh, two, 2015 is when we started scare management. We started with just, uh, three bands. Um, and then really just kind of exploded. It was just me and Gino, and then, uh, you know, fast forward three years, we've got 24 bands and seven managers. Oh, wow. Um, I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's, um, it's been really, really cool, man. A lot, of the, a lot of the guys that are, you know, managing with us, we toured with. And, um, you know, touring is just it's such a tight-knit community anyway that, um, I mean, you just you build friendships and relationships you know, from touring that it's really hard to put into words, like how substantial, you know, those friendships and, and relationships really are. So totally. it's, re it's great to, to build this with the, you know, the team that we have, because we have those relationships and those past tour experiences together. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just kind of like, it's just a great team effort, you know? That's like, awesome. Uh, man. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, and a, definitely fortunate to be doing it with the with the dudes that we've got because uh, they're all they're all aces and it's uh yeah it's, it's it's a lot of fun now do each of your your managers are they full-time with scaram or is that like kind of a one of many jobs for each of those guys yeah man, that's kind of that's kind of the way it is for all of us right now um right you know is we we all we all have jobs outside of scaram management some of us are still touring full-time actually a good a good chunk of us are still touring full-time i came off the road in 2014 uh spring of 2014 is when i did my last tour um and then you know from there i immediately went into uh the production side of things because yeah, that's what i was doing while i was out on the road um yeah what were you so, doing on tour when you say you got off the road were you playing in the band or were you more no, no, the crew yeah i was working yeah i was working i was um you know tour managing um right audio lights um just full production um you know and that's kind of what i've moved into uh post touring is is working for production houses in chicago proper right um so uh it's great i mean you know still get to you know kind of stay in the music uh you know world full time and uh you know and then managing bands um, on top of that is still, it's staying, just still staying part of that community. Um, totally. Which is, <clears throat> I know which exactly is what you're saying. That's exactly why I started stateside. You know, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, same story. I mean, I grew up all through my twenties and even teens touring and playing in band, playing drums in a band. And I, you know, I still love doing that stuff, but God, it just like, as time went on, I, I, I wanted something more sustainable where I could be at home but still be involved Def in music. Yeah. So, yes. you know, my, my company is a little bit more niche. You know, we focus on music producers, uh, exclusively, yeah. at, at least for now. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, I wanted to kind of talk to you about the difference in, you know, managing bands, managing rock bands rather than, you know, a singer songwriter or a country artist. Like, I, so, you know, you said you wanted to stay in the music industry, but why management? Why not something else? Why not a music podcast or a blog or 
you know, why didn't you go work for Rock Mag? Like, why did you decide management? Or was it just natural from the kind of the stuff you explained earlier? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just I just kind of felt like it was the the natural progression. Um, you know, like when you know when when you're touring, um, you know, and that's and that's the way you're making your living. Uh, you're 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 frightened of your phone not ringing anymore. You know what I mean? Like, which is like, Oh my God, dude, like, I don't know when my next tour is going to happen. Especially if you're, if you're bouncing from like band to band, if you're not like with a band, cause you know, bands will, they're not touring 12 months out of the year. Mm-hmm. They're going to, they're going to take a break just cause you know, they're going to get, you know, ground into the dirt. So, um, you know, jumping from, from band to band, that was always like a, a, a kind of a, like this worry that I had in the back of my head was just like, Oh, dude! Like I don't, they don't have anything lined up past the next tour that I'm on, you know. And then usually I'd end up getting a call on that tour and be like, "Hey, are you free this time?" And I'm like, "Yeah, you know, I'll do it." Um, but you know, that also kind of, kind of really wore me thin too because I wasn't scheduling myself any time off. Right. So you know, I, my last string of of tours, I kind of, I kind of, I kind of wore myself out, man. I I was gone for five months straight. Oh, good lord! Uh, yeah, I, I I saw my house eight times in five months, and that wasn't even like eight consecutive days. It was like fly home for two days and then fly back out for seven weeks. You know, dude, I know so, so many people like that. Yeah, I, dude, and we do too. I'm sure you do as well. It's crazy, yeah, right? It really is. It really. I mean, I'm I'm so fortunate that I got to see the world in the you know and, and doing what I love, you sure. know, and like being a part of that and kind of seeing it through like through that lens um, was, I mean, it's something that I'm never going to forget. And those, those life lessons that I learned on the road, where it's just something that I, you know, I carry with me uh, every day and everything that I do. Um, but yeah, dude, I mean, it is it just, just like out of that, that sheer panic of like not having, you know, anything lined up past that tour is why I was just like taking everything that came my way. And, and just <laughs> eventually it was just like, Oh man, I yeah. can't do this anymore. Like this, I know, that it's was feast or famine. Yeah, exactly. Right. For yeah, sure. it's not. I mean, the lucky few get to do it and sustain their lives doing it, or they're just yeah. fucking crazy and they don't mind being on the road nine months exactly. out of the year. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's how Gino is, dude. Uh, Gino is Gino is that guy. He is. Wow. He's gone. Yeah, he's gone eight or nine months out of the year. It's brutal. Just grinding. <clears throat> yeah. Um. So you know when when. When we were touring, that was, yeah, I mean, it wasn't, you know, we entered into into the touring realm and it was just kind of like, you know, oh, this is great. You know, we love it. And then it was like, okay, then what's next after this? So for management, yeah, it was kind of like the natural progression for us. It wasn't something that I was always like, oh, I'm going to be a band manager one day or or something like that. It's like, um, you know, from from tour managing bands, you, you are an extension of management on the road. So you're, you know, talking with, um, a ton of press outlets. You're meeting with the labels directly. All your reps through, like you know, Ernie Ball or ESP or Vic Firth or all that. Like you're dealing with all of that directly. Um, so you know, Gino and I just from from kind of you know being in those roles, we just had this rolodex of contacts um, that we were like, hey, you know, I mean, let's see what we can do with. Yeah, so, I mean, why don't you kind of uh, dissect, sort of define what a band manager does? 
Because, you know, I get that kind of question all the time. Like, well, what do you do for these guys? Like, what what's your role? So pretend yeah. that someone that is not a part of the music industry or just someone at home listening, kind of paint a picture for what you guys do for your artists. Yeah, for sure. I mean, what, um, you know, what we do is we operate uh, in a 12-month plan constantly. So, um you know what what a band manager really does is we are in charge of of that band's schedule for that 12 month period um you know be it a record cycle we're working directly with the label planning out how everything's going to be released um working with press outlets again seeing how everything's going to be released and making sure it's all going to line up according to um, what that band is, is doing in that 12 months. If it's just straight touring, if they're touring on a record and they're in that, you know, the album cycle, um, you know, we're, we're kind of there orchestrating all of it um, really from behind the scenes. Uh, if it's lining up press for the bands on tour, um, if it's, you know, pitching tours past that tour or whatever, you know, that's kind of how we like to do it at Scare Management is, um you know, we, we book out probably five or six months in advance. That's how much, you know, we really want to have our bands busy, you know, in those five or six months. And then what we're doing after that five or six months, if we're giving them, you know, two months off or we're hitting it because they're on a new record or whatever. So, um, are you guys booking for them as well? No, no, we, we have booking agents that we work with. Um, we work with, um, spotlight, uh, Artery Global. We have a few of our bands with Artery Global. Nice. Um, over in over in Europe, we work with uh, Loud Noise. Okay. Um, uh, also, we work with Artery Global over there as well. Uh, we work with um, Avocado over in Europe. Um, so yeah, I mean that's really just kind of um, you know there's a lot of moving parts. Oh yeah. With, with bands, you know. Totally. Label. Um, it's it's project partner. management. That's kind of how I it's always. One hundred percent. Yeah, I mean that is it. It yeah. is absolute project management. Yeah, it's um, a lot of things, and sometimes you're just the shoulder to cry on. <laughs> oh, dude. yeah. We, we we call it a ledge talk off. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. You're, you're the therapist. You're constantly talking. Yeah, you're constantly talking people off the ledge. Yep. Yeah. Or, especially or getting, for artists. Or getting off the ledge. Oh, absolutely, dude. Yeah, one hundred percent. That's so. Awesome. Yeah, I mean that that's. That's, that's basically what we do, um, you know, with, with our bands is, um, you know, we, we have that we have that 12-month plan, uh, and we just really try to execute. I mean, I always tell my bands, like, hey, listen, this is a rough outline for the next year. Uh, it's going to change. I mean, but this is just going to kind of give us a bearing on on where we want to go. And it's it's open. It's very democratic. It's not like, hey, this is what we're going to do, and yeah. you guys are going to fall in line or get out. It's like, okay, does this line up with what you guys want to do? Right. Uh, you know, let's 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 communicate on it and make sure that this is going to be good for everybody involved. And then let's do our best to execute, you know, and make sure that, that this is going to happen and, and push you guys forward, uh, you know, in the direction that you guys want to go. So so for, um, so for a band to come for you guys, you know, to come work with Scarum, what point in their in the timeline of that band's history? You know, when when are they a good fit for management? Is it prior to being signed? Is it after being signed? Is it after a few cycles of touring like when are you guys interested in working with a band you know i mean really uh we we kind of have every band in every category that you just mentioned we've got right. bands that are purely development 
and they're not with a label. They're not with um, a booking agent. And we're just kind of consulting them on on what they have to do to become, you know, a, a low level band. And then from a, a low level to a medium and from a medium to a big. Um, but, you know, I really it just kind of comes down to passion, not to sound cheesy. But I mean, I'm a huge music fan. I always have been um, huge record collector. I've been collecting records probably since I was about 14. Um, and so, I mean, I'm, I'm really, really passionate about music. So when I hear a band, um, I have to like that band to mm-hmm. work with them, you know? So, um, and, and I kind of have to like see a real future in them too. So, you know, usually, you know, we'll, we'll get approached by a lot of bands. I, we probably get maybe six or seven submissions a day, I would say, oh, wow. um, which I, you know, with those, I try, I really, really try to comb through those and give those bands a fair shot because it's like I never want to be that jaded dickhead in yeah. this industry. There's just so many of those dudes around, oh you know, where it's like I don't have a grip on my shoulder. I don't really care. Like, and hey, man, if you're if you like are looking at what we're doing and you want to be a part of it, like that's flattering to me. So sure. the least I can do is give you guys a time of day and and listen to what you guys are doing. And you know, I mean. We, totally. we do we do turn down a lot of them um but i always try to give them pointers even when i'm turning them down just be like hey man like i don't think it's gonna be a good fit for us but you know hey you might want to look at doing this or that or or something so yeah. if a band is going to come to us you know i mean really it doesn't really matter where they're at in their career i think that we just have to be passionate about about that band and then you know because it, then it's going to make us want to be involved and, and want to work harder um, for them and kind of, you know, we, you, we, you, you get excited when you're listening to, you know, this, this kind of new band you're like, nobody's heard this yet. And yeah. this is going to be great with the home team. That's kind of the way I felt about the home team. They were like a, they were like a well-kept secret for me. You know, I mean, I was working really hard to behind the scenes to kind of get them heard by as many people as possible, um, and kind of line things up for them. But I mean, you know, they approached me with, uh, they had five songs, when uh when they approached us and you know gino and i met with it and we were just like oh dude this is great mm-hmm. and then and then they you know they kind of um brian the lead singer was still in school so there was uh you know some conflict for their scheduling there but then they went back into the studio and they were finishing up the other five songs and when they gave me those other five songs i was like oh my god this is insane like this this band is so good it's awesome uh so, I mean, just kind of having like that, you know, like just being excited about the projects is, uh, is, I mean, that, that's kind of what we tell all our managers like, Hey, like, cause it's going to, it's going to wear thin. I mean, you if, you, if you enter into a project with a band that you're not excited about, like that band is going to know, yeah. you know, and it just, it's not going to do them any favors. It's not going to do you any favors. No. Uh, and then at the end of the day, it's just, you're kind of going to get a bad rap, you know, as, as a manager, just kind of not answering calls, getting back to emails, super slow, letting things slide through the cracks. So, yeah, I mean, for, for where we're at right now, that's kind of, that's kind of it. It's just, you have to be passionate about the project. Well, I mean, the, we'll, we'll take anything. Well, speaking of the home team, they were, they were a, a delight to have on the show. They're really funny. And, you know, I could yeah, tell they're, they're, they're super relaxed guys. We'll definitely have them on again. Yeah. So their album yeah, drops awesome. pretty soon, right? July 20th. Uh, yeah. July 20th. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. Um, yeah, Revival's been so great to work with, man. They, that, that's another that's another thing, too, with, with that band is we had some offers um, from labels to put that record out, but uh, 
you know, they're just they just didn't share the vision. Yeah, you know, Sean and, and Nick with, are with super the, nice guys. They were actually on the show in, yeah. during the winter. Really nice dudes. Oh, that's awesome. they they really are, and they're they're sponsoring they, the show they, by the way. <laughs> oh, nice. yeah, awesome. they're doing a, a campaign. Yeah, yep. that's great. Um, but dude, they they share the vision for the home team, which is awesome. It's so it's really great to work with with those dudes on that project. Well, Sean and uh, Nick love that style of music too. Yeah, that's their thing. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's cool, man. It's it's a, uh, it's it's a lot of fun, and it's so far it's been it's been working out really great. I mean, That's it was great. kind of you know with that we uh, we all met and we kind of were kicking around ideas, and uh, again it was a very democratic process. Everybody chimed in, and we all agreed on a plan, and you know we're currently operating in it and and seeing a, a good amount of success with it. So how many um, how many albums are they signed to Revival? Um, so we have the one record. That is coming out July twentieth, and then we have uh, options attached to the deal. Oh, that's great! That's perfect. Yeah, yeah, they're they're smart guys. I mean, they're 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 not going to lock down people into things that they're not going to want to do. That's awesome. Yeah, for, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of it's kind of like that shared, uh, you know, passion thing that I was kind of talking about. Is they they seem very passionate about that project, and mm-hmm. they, they it's a good fit. You know, it's a very very good home for. Uh, for this record so you guys have a lot of different genres on on the roster as well some really really heavy bands and then the home team can yeah. be heavy but they're they're more like pop punk exactly yeah kind of all yeah, over the place. that's awesome yeah 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 we've uh yeah we, we and then we try to be diverse like that um you know we're not trying to really pigeonhole ourselves into one genre uh specifically yeah. um you know just kind of just kind of spread out so what would be what would be like some advice because i think coming from you it's going to mean more for most people what would be some advice that you'd give to a young band you know just on the on the up and up what what should they focus on if they want to get management or get signed one day what should they be Uh, focusing on you know i mean really i would just make sure that the product that you guys are putting out is exactly what you want to put out um there's Mm -hmm. I don't remember who said it, but it was it's the smartest thing I've heard in the music industry. It's, they said, you have your whole life to write your first record. <laughs> and I mean, and it's, it's, it's the truth. Like, take your time. Because yeah. once, once you write that first record, you are then, you don't have the luxury of, of taking your time to perfect it and really make sure it's, it's what you guys want to put out. Because uh, then you're, you're operating, if, as soon as you get signed, you're operating on somebody else's timetable. And they need that, you know, next record, uh, you know, 18 to 24 months after the first record. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, I would just say that, you know, make make sure that, that what you guys are doing is exactly what you want to be doing, you know. Um, that's that's really good advice. I mean, it's so basic, but it's like, duh, you know. I mean, if you don't love what you're doing, for one, people are going to know. And you can't write to right. a specific sure. demographic or an audience. You can't do it. It's impossible. No yeah. matter what you yeah. do, you're going to alienate some people, and you're going to have people that dig what you do. That's it. Right. The home yeah, team totally. has some people that love it. I'm sure the home team have people that don't. It's not their cup of tea. But if they don't exactly. write what they like, and it comes from a sincere spot, there's zero chance of success for that band. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. That's really absolutely, refreshing yeah. to hear, by the way, because there's so many like tactical advice that people give. Like, well, have branding, and go out and tour, yeah. and, you know, 
write a list of goals and like and all those things should happen, but if it doesn't come from sure. an honest place, what's the point? Exactly. I think it's just yeah. I mean, it's just it's just going back to basics. I mean, it, like why why do you want to be in the music industry? Why do you want to mm. be you know a musician? I mean, it's a tough industry, and the the, yeah. the fail rate is high. Very you know? high. So, so I think that if if you're not doing it because you absolutely love it, and it's not coming from a place that uh, is genuine, you're gonna it, you're gonna be seen you know as as such and. And it's going to be a very hard road for you to try and carry that out. You're going to end up beating your head against the wall yep. until you you end up quitting or playing in a cover band full-time. You know? Yeah, I, mean, no, I just... think that advice, I mean, you can apply that to a lot of things in life. I mean, you can apply that to being a music manager or a producer manager. Yeah. You know, you have yeah. to, it has to come from an honest place. You have to know why you're doing it, sort of your internal mission statement. And if you don't know those things, like, man, that's going to be a grind. Yeah, for and sure. I, and I honestly don't think, like, People always try to say, well, there's one type of personality for an, a specific job. Like, you have to be this type A guy to be a band manager. Not really. I mean, it's going to help if you're a bit of a pit bull. But yeah, right. you don't sure. sound like Ari Gold from Entourage. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, he's not like a really nice guy, a super sweet guy to talk to. And that, yeah. that yeah. asset is going to carry you far in just a different way. And, and I'm probably a blend of both. I can be that pit bull if I need to be. I can be really organized if I need to be, but I'm also like super chaotic. I, um, organization can be tough for me. You know, I can get lost in the weeds with just like the admin details, but there's, yeah, yeah, there's okay. ways around it. And as long as my, my North star is correct and my compass is pointing towards that, you know, true place, then, uh, you know, nothing can, nothing can keep me down. Yeah, dude. That, I mean, that's it too. I, you know, the thing with when you, you know, when you're when you're especially when you're tour managing, uh, you have to fight for your bands in most situations. Oh, you're either arguing yeah. with the promoter, you're arguing, you know, with uh, uh, just just something. So I mean, I definitely do have that pit bull in me, yep. uh, and it does it does come out uh, I'm sure. quite often. I'm sure, uh, but I mean, I also I also know when to use it and when not to use it. I think you know, I mean, there's there's something that you know can be said, kind of going back to you know my you know time when I was on the road is. I was always out there working for myself first and foremost. You know, I, I wanted to make sure I was representing myself correctly and then representing the band that I'm working with correctly and in the correct light, you know? Yeah. So, because if you're not a good dude, you're not going to have any work, no. you know? And oh, dude, just, that's uh, so true. If you're not a good hang, no one's going to want to yeah. squeeze you dude, in their 15-passenger van for a month. Back 100%. Anybody that, you know, like I would always get these kids, you know, at shows or whatever, and they're coming like, well, how did you start touring and and you know what? What advice do you have for me? And I was just, just be a good dude. Yeah. Just be, just be somebody that people want to be around because touring sucks a lot of the time. <laughs> a lot of and, the time. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You're, you know, you're always driving. You're crammed in tight, confined spaces. And if you can't find the silver lining in some of those pretty tough situations, you're going to be miserable to be around. And yep. that is just not a good place. And you're also not in the band. Out. You're not one of the right. guys in the band. You don't get to be, exactly. you know, exactly. a brat and do a bunch of drugs and get fucked up. I mean, you just For can't. Sure. You're supposed to be the one adult in the room. Exactly. 100%. As, to the best of 100%. your ability. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, totally. I've definitely totally. known some I mean, yeah, TMs I, that get fucked up on the road. But it doesn't last oh, very totally. long for them. No way. No way. No, yeah. that that's like one or, that, that's one or two tours, you know, tops, yeah. if they even make it through those tours. That's right. 
Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, that, that's just, and that's just something I always, you know, kind of carried with me through yeah. my professional life post touring is just, just be a good dude. It's, you know, that's it's it. the best. I mean, so, yeah. so for, for your roster, if you guys, how many bands you said 25? Uh, we have, yeah, 20, 24 bands 24. is what we have right now that, that are, um, we also have some that haven't quite been announced yet. Sure. There's uh-huh. always the back burners. Yeah. 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 So if you have 24 hardcore active bands and then you said what, seven managers. Yep. So yep. How, how does that work for who gets what band? Is there like a percentage of, uh, bands per manager? Or is it just kind of case by case? You know, what we always tell our, our managers is be aware of your workload. Um, yeah. you know, there's, there's some bands that we had to like, me personally, you know, I, they approached me and I'm like, Oh my God, this is a great band. I want this. But like, I also had to be like super aware of like, Hey, I've got these amount of bands that are currently responsible for. I can't take on another band. Yeah. So then, you know, I'll usually kick it around company wide and be like, Hey, are you guys interested? This is a great band. I think they would be great for the roster. And then, you know, if everybody's like, Hey, we don't have time, then it's like, you know, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to kind of kick it down the road or or sometimes I'll I'll even reach out to other managers and be like, yo, you pick this up like this is a great band so then on average uh, you guys at least have what a, three bands each three um, to little, four yeah so a little a little bit more you know what we do um which has been a smart strategy for us is we co-manage a lot so you'll have right. a band that has you know two managers attached to them and um i you think know, that's with, the best way our, to do it for sure dude with with our workload um outside of management it's been really great uh it's it's been a really good and strong strategy because we've got you know, two people that are working hard or, or, you know, especially with some of the guys with their touring schedule, um, you know, they're gone for eight weeks. And then, you know, you've got another dude there that can pick up the slack yep. while those guys are out, you know, earning a living. Um, so that's that's kind of the way that we've been doing it there. You'll see that a lot um, throughout our company where you have, um, you know, two managers attached to bands and they're both kind oh, of working on that. Together. You just reminded me, I was going to ask you, so. For each band that's on the roster, does every band is their TM one of your guys? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, no. Or um, do you have outside TMs? Yeah, outside outside tour managers for sure. I think it would be, um, you know, just some just somebody the band trusts, um, really, because we've we've been in that position. You know, I mean, obviously, if we don't get along with the TM or we're seeing. Um, some mistakes that the TM is making or they're not keeping good records on the road or whatever, then, you know, we'll, we'll step in and we'll try and correct it. Giving that dude, you know, a fair shot and be like, Hey man, like, you know, clean it up a little bit or, Hey, here's some road reports. These are spreadsheets that we've built and that we've we've been using over the years when we were tour managing, like you might want to use these or whatever. Um, I mean, we've never been in the situation so far where we've had to fire a TM. Um, I kind of hope we don't ever get to that point. But again, so many of us are out there still touring full time that we've got a strong list of dudes that we all all trust and we've toured with and we yeah. know we'll step in and, and knock it out of the park if Crack we have to. But ultimately, kind of leave that up to the band. And if it's somebody that they're comfortable with, then you know, let's go ahead and give them a shot. Uh, nice. And so far, so far it's worked out. So far it's been it's been good. We uh, you know nothing really to complain about in that aspect. Yeah, it's such a balance, I would imagine. You know, you, you want to let the band have some freedom, autonomy, and, you know, it's their, yeah. it's ultimately their career. 100%. And you're right. there to just kind of guide them, open some doors. 
Make sure they don't make terrible decisions. I always say it's like managing is like being the guy in the boxing corner. You know, you're the guy in the corner. You're cornering. Yeah, totally. You're just there to give them water and an ice pack and give them tips while they're fighting. But ultimately, that fighter's got to go in there and and get the 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 knockout. You know. Exactly. Absolutely. I mean, and that's it. You know, I mean, all we're really here to do is really kind of guide and steer that band direction and and you know put them in a a plan that's going to let them succeed but and and uh, also some of it i mean this it's so funny but it's just true a lot of this goes for artists and for producers both having management and having representation some of it is just simply okay like I, i use this metaphor a lot it's like when you drive by and you see a cop just parked on the side of the street and sometimes your first initial reaction is like what the fuck is that cop doing there? They're just sitting there. You know, I'm, I'm paying that guy's salary to what, just sit there. But then if you really do think about it for more than two seconds, it starts to occur to you that they're actually doing their job. That's, yeah, yeah, for, that's for, the whole point. They're just enforcing the law. They're being present. Right. They're, yeah. they're yeah, yeah. setting up shop, waving the flag, letting people know to slow down. Um, and so anyway, it's like part of managing is just being there. It doesn't always have to be so active and like get involved in everything they're doing because at the end of the day, that's not what people need or want. They just right. need someone to be there when shit goes south, be there when when decisions need to be made, and yeah. kind of help yeah. organize. And also, like, you know, I mean, especially with producers, it can feel really icky for a producer to be the one that is negotiating their value and their rates with their clients. Oh. Dude, it's that, dude, tough. <laughs> and so I get to be the bad guy. I'm the sure. the guy that's like, oh, no, dude. I think they're worth this, and I think yep. you should see it my way for these reasons, blah, blah, blah. And then they yeah. can just be two creative people together, the producer and the exactly. artist. That's a long history in the music industry that is sort of a sacred thing. And yeah. a lot of guys try to take that on their own, which is fine. A lot of people are good at it, but... You know, for the guys that work with me, that's one of the first things they always say. Because I ask them, like, what are things you're looking for, you know, from management? And that's one of the first things they say. Just get money off the table. Get the money thing out of the sure. room so we can just focus yeah, on totally. the art. Yeah. So I would yeah, imagine ab- it's the same for you guys, too. Oh, dude, 100%. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the times, it's just like you said. I think that, you know, a lot of these, you know, bands or, uh, you know, artists, you know, people that we manage in particular, I think that they just, they just feel comfortable having us, you know, in the room and, and being able to, you know, confidently represent them and competently represent them. Like we, I know what, what their value is, you know? And it's just like, I, Hey, listen, I'm not going to overreach. Like mm-hmm. if someone's going to come to me and be like, okay, uh, we want this band out for this amount of time. Um, you know, we're going to offer them this, you know, this amount of money each night. And if it's a low ball, I know it's a low ball. And I'll right. hit them with the fact. They're like, hey, no, absolutely not. We just did this run in these markets. These are our numbers. Like, that's way low. I'm not I'm not going to take that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not going to let my bands, you know, my bands at that point, you know, I mean, they really shouldn't be involved in those conversations. No. Um, that's why you have management. You have management to really kind of get in there. And, and like, I know their value because we keep accurate numbers. And, and it goes, by the way, it goes both ways because some – I would imagine, and I don't know because I don't manage bands, but I've been in a band and I've had a manager. And I I know that, you know, I would imagine that the band sometimes will, they will sabotage themselves by 
undervaluing, you know, un- devaluing what totally. their worth is. Sure. And so instead yeah. of getting this number, they're just so excited to be there because they've always wanted yeah. to be there. And now they're right. there. They've right. arrived. Right. So it's like, fuck it. We'll just take this. And that's <laughs> yeah. what guys like you are there for. Like, hold up, pump the brakes. You're worth exactly. more than that. We've done right. so much work to get here. Don't right. stop for now. Sure. But then at exactly. the same time, a lot of bands will get big heads and say, well, now I've arrived. You see, right. now I'm here, you see, and yeah, I am worth yeah. this. And then that's also your job to go, ah, no, you're not fucking Nine Inch Nails, bro. <laughs> Relax. Exactly, right. You haven't paid yeah, your yeah, dues yet. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For uh, sure. It's, it's an it, interesting thing, managing. It's very weird. It is. It, it is. You know, a lot of the things, too, is is the way it's going to it's gonna make your band look, you know? Mm. So you'll hear that a lot is, like, if it's a good look or not, you know, mm. like, you know, playing under a band that maybe you shouldn't play under because your tour history is stronger than theirs or wow. you're a higher band than they are, you know, and it's like, we'll talk about guys, that a little bit. Kind of, you know, yeah, because kind of, kind of touching on what you said with the devaluing, Yeah, that is something that can also devalue you as well Is if you're, if you're going to, you have to be very, very cautious of what tours you're taking and with what bands, you know, and again, that's kind of the manager's job because, I can come off as a snob or I can come off as a dick. That's okay. That's my job. Yeah. Ultimately, I'm representing my my you know client and their needs and their career appropriately. So, you know, if we get presented with a tour package and our band is stronger than the headliner on that tour package, we're going to have to turn it down. You know, it's like, hey, we're stronger than this band. This is going to devalue us if we take that for what you guys are you know asking or or whatever. Um, because career-wise, in the big picture, it's not going to be a good look for us. Um, right. So we're we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to decline. Well, uh, other than like decisions and what tours they get signed on to, what, how, how, because it's such a dirty word to say brand branding. Yeah. Like, what's your sure, brand? Sure. It it always makes me feel icky, but there is a <laughs> yeah. lot of truth to it, and it you know it doesn't take a genius to know that there has to be some truth to that. Any of the Absolutely. big bands we love have focused on some branding in some capacity. Again, Nine Inch Nails, like the yeah. NIN, that was such a strong brand. Strong. Like we all knew yeah. that. And he stuck yep. to a genre. He was consistent. Yep. Um, yep. So like how important that is to your bands, but also how not important is it? <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like for a band uh, like the home team, yeah. how, how important is that? I, you know, I, I think with, with them, it is important. And I think that they do a good job of it. Um, because when you when you listen to the home team and then you look at their videos, they represent themselves and their music appropriately. So it is it is there is brand awareness there. Whether they're they're actively doing it and rec- I mean they're smart dudes, um, and this is things that we've talked about you know strategy wise. Yeah. But with um, with with you know their videos and their images and their looks and their music all match up. So, you know, that, you know, it just kind of like, okay, if you're, if you're playing pop punk and, uh, you're dressed up like a new metal kid, right? it's going to, you know, it's not going to work. It's it confusing. just isn't, it's, you're right. It just isn't going to work. Yeah. If their so, videos are super dark and gloom, it's like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, the, right, I think their yeah, videos yeah. are really appropriate. Their attitude, their personalities are appropriate. Yeah. And they're, they're absolutely. loosey goosey, funny guys on our podcast. And it was like, oh yeah, that's because they're in a fun band. That's the kind of sound exactly. that person should be making. And it's great because all of them, uh, with the exception of Brian, were all in like metal and hardcore bands. 
<laughs> up until the home team. So yep. it's really it's it's like super funny, you know, to have like like coming from that world. I mean, I'm kind kind of the same way. Like, I mean, I love pop punk. Um, I kind of always have. It's always been mm-hmm. like a soft spot. I've always kind of had those guilty pleasures. Yeah, I think know? we all do. <laughs> Weird, yeah, seriously. Even even though I'm just like, oh no, I'm I'm really into these, you know, cool and like you know unique bands, but also. I'm listening to, you know, the first two Saves a Day records since I've been 16. And I own, you know, I own them all, you know, like on vinyl and different pressings. And it's constantly being, you know, being played in my house. But it's like, I love that stuff, dude. Like, I kind of always have. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm at the point now where I'm just like, uh, whatever, fuck it. You know, why am I ashamed to admit it? It's good. Like, Oh, I know. Good's always going to be good. Andrew and I always talk about how, you know, because we're 90s kids. We're in our mid-30s. Yeah. And, like, our our yeah, yeah. era is, like, you know, 90s, late 90s, early 2000s. And, I, Andrew, like, sort of recently, me and you have both just started to say, fuck it. It is the best era. We don't give a fuck it, anymore. It is. It is, <laughs> we're just dude. On board. It is. I, like, I was, kind of, uh, I was kind of going through my Spotify the other day, and I'm like, Oh, dude! Everything, every record I love and resonates with me came out in '95. Like, right? Be it like, like punk, what? Like what? Oh my god! Uh, okay, well, so, oh Jesus, dude! There's so many. Um, uh, Rancid and Out Come the Wolves that yeah. came out in '95, and that record I, I watched them a couple of years ago at uh, Riot Fest. They did that whole record. I think it was like the like the twentieth. Oh Jesus! A couple of years ago, it was 2015. It was like the twentieth year anniversary. And it was in, it was insane. There was like twenty thousand people singing every word to that entire record, but it still it still holds up. That That's record, rad. Oh, it's so good. Are uh, you like a more? Are you a rock guy like Soundgarden and you know Queens of Stone Age and uh, shit know, like that? Not really. I, I do like Queens of the Stone Age, but not really. I grunge never really uh, really resonated with me. I mean, I respected it for what it was. I you know I it definitely like later on I, I kind of got into. Like a whole lot of like the the sub pop bands, mm-hmm. um, you know, like Mud Honey and First yeah. Tune of Rock. First never release liked on Mud that. Honey. That's something about them I never got into. That was like a little too grunge for me. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I it's definitely you know something that I kind of you know as as I kind of you know grew up a little bit and you know started you know jumping into different genres. Um, I was able to appreciate them uh, more, but you know, I mean, really, it all started with me. Uh, I was in fifth grade and I, I bought that green day tape. I bought Dookie. Yep. Um, it was it, man. That was, uh, that, that was, was it. One. That was, that was my band. Yeah. Wait, so how old are you? Of course I'm 35. Oh, wow. So we're exactly, I'm turning 35 on Wednesday. Nice dude. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, speaking of, well, you got any good plans for the 4th of July? Um, you know, not really. Really? Uh, it's going to be the first 4th of July in a long time that I haven't worked. <laughs> like worked a, worked a festival or am home for so uh, I've got a three year old daughter and I think we're just gonna kind of kick it go see nice. some fireworks. Uh, my parents are coming into town, awesome. so you married? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yep. Very cool. Yep. You guys are just gonna take her easy, hang out with the fam. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so we're sounds delightful. Yeah, dude. We're we're expecting another uh, baby in August. So. Oh, nice. Congrats. Thanks, man. So, yeah, yeah, we're definitely just going to kind of uh, take it easy. Hey, have you ever seen that documentary, The Other F Word? Mm -mm, No. You would love it. So it's it's about fathers in, like, the punk rock rock scene. 
Okay. And it's t- it's mostly about I haven't seen it in a while, but I think it's just dads that are in bands like um, awesome. the singer of Face to Face, the guy, the the guitar player of Rancid. Um, okay. I think Josh Freese, Which one, the drummer. Lars? What's that? Was it Lars? Yeah, Lars. Or... Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And they, it's just a really interesting take on fatherhood while being, you know, tattooed head to toe yeah. and playing for bands. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, you might want to check that out. That's cool. Yeah, dude, I, I totally will. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, we usually uh, we'll talk about a few other segments. We we do a movie pick of the week, and we and then we do some current events. I think is cool. an appropriate time to go ahead and do some current events. That's um, <laughs> and since you we have a screen up here that we usually pull some news articles up or whatever, um, and obviously you won't be able to see that, but you'll get the idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andrew, take it away. What you got? Anything fun to talk about in the world? Uh, LeBron James went to the Lakers. Oh my God! Oh, that's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. That's like yeah. the news. That is the news. Yeah, what was it? One hundred and fifty-four million for four years. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah. It's a shitload of money. What? Oof. It's one hundred and fifty-four million. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Dude, that is unreal. I'm a lifelong Bulls fan, and uh, LeBron James has been a thorn in our side. So I say good (laughs) riddance, get him out of the East. (laughs) Get him out of here. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I love your your Chicago accent. It's one of my favorite accents. I love it. It's so uniquely (laughs) American. Like, that's the kind of stuff, if you tour in Europe or you just travel around, you start missing these, like, really interesting American accents. That's always been one of my favorites. Oh my god, I can't believe LeBron is going to LA. Oh yeah. That is yep. nuts. When it, So that's effective immediately next season? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I mean, what does that mean? Like, the Lakers, I, I don't follow basketball that well. I'm a huge baseball guy, so I don't really follow basketball. But I know enough to know that the Lakers haven't been very good last couple of years, right? Am I wrong? Yeah, right. No, 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 you're right. I mean, they, you still, I think, like, basketball's weird, man. And it's, it's just getting worse. So you kind of have, like, six teams that are kind of always going to be in contention. Mm-hmm. And right now, with, um, you know, especially with Kevin Dur- Durant going to Golden State, it's just like, why are all the good players just teaming up? and getting on the same team. Like I remember in the nineties, uh, you had multiple great players on multiple teams and it was so much fun to watch. And now it just seems like everybody's just chasing the ring. You know, it just kind of sucks. Um, yeah, it's icky. I mean, baseball's the same yeah. way. All sports seem yeah. to be that oh, way now. Sure. That, yeah. Right. Right. For sure. Yeah. It is really uh, unfortunate. It's like, there's a guy the, his name is escaping me. But he was the guy that started the baseball union way back in the day. And before him, baseball players were essentially indentured servants. I mean, they didn't have any rights as employees. They were signed to a team for life. And they had no option to go anywhere else. All of the owners would band together and say, you know, we're going to stick to this rule. Like, it was dirty, dirty stuff. But because of that, like, they had to stay in this team they were city guys. Like if you played for the Detroit Tigers, everyone in that city knew you, and you know they grew up with you, and 
they wanted to be you and you were, you're like part of the infrastructure of that area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I miss those days. I mean, it still happens like Derek Jeter, right? He he became a free sure. agent pretty early on. Yeah. He was one of the top players of all time. He could have gone anywhere he wanted, but he stayed with the New York Yankees his entire career from beginning to end. And yeah, that I, almost never I happens now. Right. Oh, no, dude. Yeah, and especially not anymore. Everybody's chasing that. Everybody's chasing the championship or they're chasing the money. There yep. just doesn't be like that loyalty anymore of like, well, this team's taking care of me. You know, these fans have taken care of me. I want to win one for this team and, uh, you know, and, and kind of like end my career. Um, well, the problem with that, I mean, it's like that's great for the players, but as usual, the fans are the ones that are punished. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know? I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a diehard Bears fan. Uh, so, yeah, I know that better than anyone at this point, dude. Our team is trash. Uh, so, oh, yeah, that's a tough yeah. team to follow. <laughs> it's tough. Oh, dude, it is. <laughs> it is. And I've, I've worked for the Chicago Bears for like the past six seasons. So I've got to see it from the sideline. And it's just been, oh, my God. Those Mark Trestman years, dude, were the dark ages. It was dismal. Were you a Chicago four. Cubs fan? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. So yeah. you're happy now. I love it, dude. It I only took it. him I over 100 it. years. I know, yeah. I love that. Uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> uh, but, dude, Jed Hoyer and uh, Theo Epstein, those guys are going to go down in, in baseball history oh. for being just like the it, curse breakers. They magic. did it in Boston, and then they, they, dude, they came and did it in Chicago. It's like, what is going on? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I love those dudes. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I could talk about the, the magic in that game for, for hours, but we don't yeah. want to bore everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool. I mean, uh, well... Hopefully LeBron comes and I mean that's going to be insane. I mean LA is already like the hot city to be in for so many reasons, but Jesus Christ, that's going to bring even more people there, even more attention to that town. I, I think it's going to alienate a lot of their a lot of their fan base. I mean, the, LeBron's kind of hated outside of Cleveland, right? So, I mean, there's there's been a ton of people that are Lakers fans that just have been shitting on lebron oh you know? we'll see though so, i mean i think those people are jumping ship as we talk they're like right. fuck yeah I'd, I'd fucking talk shit about him but now the right. the king is on our team right for sure hashtag for sure. lebron they're wearing yeah. that fucking jersey <laughs> yeah. i keep seeing people you know his his name is spelled l-e-b-r-o-n lebron and now oh, people yeah. are spelling it oh, l-a yeah. <laughs> l-a bron <laughs> uh, come on uh I love those names. I love those black guy names. They're so great to me. <laughs> La James, La Jeremiah, La Andrew. All right, what else you got, Drewskis? Or any other? Have you seen this? I guess uh, Tom Morello fucked up his hand pretty bad. He got surgery. Whoa! But uh, yeah. Oh, that, I did see that picture. Isn't that oh, fucking keep insane that looking take a picture of that. <laughs> so yeah. What did yeah. he do? Yeah, what did he do? I don't know exactly, but um, we'll scroll here in a second. But he, he's got screws and like some sort of shit in there. Whoa! Yeah. What? Yeah, he fractured his hand. Uh, yeah, I guess practicing guitar, he fractured his hand. What? <laughs> what a maniac! That either means he's a shredder or he's old as shit or a little bit of both. Probably a little yeah, probably bit of both. both right? yeah. <laughs> column A, column B in there for sure. <laughs> oh. But yeah, he played a show just a couple days after. Like what I think he only man. waited like three days after surgery. Dude, that's nuts. Um, Jeremiah, have you seen this picture? I have not. 
No, that that's completely escaped me. Do you have a way of looking anything up while talking to us at the same time? Probably not. Let me not. see. Because I don't want you to that. close out Skype. Uh... It's nuts. The picture when is When did like, this happen? Um, I think like two weeks ago, two I think. Two weeks ago, yeah. You just type in like oh, Tom Morello's hand surgery or something like that. Look oh. it up. That's it's insane. crazy. It's like Tuesday the twenty sixth. So yeah, like two weeks ago. The picture is, you know, obviously his hand is cut open and there's those what do they call those? Like the plier things. The little things that like divide the skin open. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then there's like a whole like network of like screws and bolts and shit into his bone. It is fucking nasty. What the fuck? Well, anyway, if you can't oh, yeah. find it. Yeah. Oh, I'm looking at it now. Oh, yeah, dude. That's rough. <laughs> uh, and then you went and played yuck. guitar. How soon uh, after? A couple days after, I believe. Good lord. Oh, Separates man, the insane. men from the boys. <laughs> he's uh, he's from Libertyville. He's from, uh, yep. he's from Illinois. That's right. Yep, yep. He's got that accent. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Andrew, do you remember when we saw Josh Freese drum? Were you at that show when he had a cast on his right oh, foot? Oh, yeah, he had a, a skiing accident or something. So he drummed everything with his left foot? All the kick parts were with his left foot? No, I thought it was the opposite because he had a fixed hi-hat. He had two hi-hats. One was closed and one was open. Is I that it was, what it was? Yeah, it was le- his left leg was fucked. Gotcha. Did he, didn't he like put his left leg on the kick drum? At one point, uh, they, like, I, the, I remember him just like resting it. <laughs> he had that with me. Just popping out, yeah. yeah. And at one point, I do remember this very clearly, Maynard was fucking around with him, like yeah. in between songs. And he goes, Drum solo. <laughs> Josh, drum solo. And he just flipped him <laughs> off. <laughs> oh, man. That's so funny when, like, you still got to, especially when you're a big band, you can't cancel a fucking show unless it, you really have to. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, t- 10,000 people are waiting for you. Yeah, for sure. It's yeah. Uh, yeah, the impact is just... That pressure when you get to that level of a touring band is nuts. Yeah, dude. Nuts, nuts, nuts. Um, anything else, Andrew? That's it. That's it. There's a, there's a lot of music news going on, too. A lot of new stuff coming out. Um, scroll up on that Krang page there, buddy boy. I think I saw something... Interesting. Do you know any of any good records coming out, Jeremiah? Um, yeah, I mean, there's uh, this this year's actually been pretty great music wise. Um, there's been some uh, like the new American Nightmare is probably my favorite so far. Um, that record is so good, but there's also um, uh, Super Chunk released a record that's super good. Um, so did, um, Steven Melkmus from, uh, Pavement, um, and, and Steven Melkmus and the Jinx. He released a new record that's mm-hmm. really, really good. Um, God, I'm trying to think. Kind of fried. I had a super long day. But, yeah, I hear you. I'm, I'm always like uh, that. Yeah, I've, I've, been, I've been pretty surprised though, dude, with the releases so far this year. They've been, uh, they've been pretty good. That's awesome. Yeah, there's, there's definitely stuff coming out. Uh, something else Andrew just scrolled across. Did you hear about the drummer of Pantera dying? Oh, yeah, Vinnie Paul. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, dude. Both brothers yeah. are dead. I know. He had a heart attack or something, right? 
Yeah, I think so. That's what it said. It's bummer. Yeah, bummer. Andrew and I were talking about it last episode. Andrew and I both didn't really grow up like Pantera guys, but we kind of no, both did. had I didn't some. Either. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's like there's some songs yeah. we all like, but they weren't really like our sure. scene or whatever. But we we all know the impact that band had, so that's pretty nice. Oh, definitely, one hundred percent. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Like a lot of the hardcore bands I love will always talk about Pantera, like. Um, Ben Wyman from Dillinger Escape Plan. You know, that's one yeah. of my favorite bands ever. And oh, yeah, dude. There's so- yeah, he was always talking about, like, you know, Pantera was, like, everything for him when he was in high school. Oh, dude. I, I could kind of see that, though. Uh, yeah, I like, mean- gave him permission to be super aggressive. <laughs> Fucking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm so glad that they took it, you know, the direction that they took it. I mean, honestly, dude, I think that's probably my number one. I saw Dillinger Escape Plan play um for three dollars it was a makeup show and they played um there so in chicago there was this legendary club total diy punk rock club it was actually a bowling alley called fireside bowl oh yeah i played there no did you really yeah yeah yeah. you know years ago so i i saw i saw dillinger escape plan at the fireside for three dollars it was the most dangerous, chaotic show I've ever been to but it was also probably the best show i've ever been to andrew you know what venue we're talking about it's a tiny bowling alley in Chicago. I don't. It's not around anymore, right? It is. It is. So it came back. Wow. Um, they do bowling more than they do shows, which you know, in its heyday, they only bowled maybe twice a week just to keep their liquor license. <laughs> Other than that, it was it was a venue. Um, but like a dive. And, oh, dude! A shit but ball. everyone but played that. Like Shiners played. That's when we played with them. Um, every Midwest Midwest band, like Smashing Pumpkins, grew up playing there. Ruka Salt. And then all yeah. the hardcore bands would go there too and just burn the place yep. down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, oh my god, I was basically dude. That was that place holds such a special place in my life. Uh, from just early, I think I started going to the Fireside when I was about fourteen. Yeah, yeah. It was, dude, the, the shows that I've seen there. Uh, oh my god. God, what a great Silly. place to grow up. Yeah, it was. What's one of your favorite Chicago bands? Oh, God. Um, I mean, it would have to be... uh, I I love... So my favorite favorite Chicago bands when I was growing up was Slapstick. Uh, And then after Slapstick broke up, you know, they kind of broke off into Broadway's and Tuesday. And then Alkaline Trio, Lawrence Arms. That's all kind of, you know, derivative from the slapstick family tree. So, uh, I love all of those bands, but you know, like apocalypse Hoboken, um, Alkaline trio, 88 fingers, Louie, all those, you know, kind of big Chicago punk bands, you know, in the late nineties, oblivion. I loved all of those bands still do. I mean, I still, I'll still throw on those records and just like, oh, fuck yeah. brings me back. Fuck. Yeah, dude. What a great town to grow up in. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I love Chicago so much. It is one of my favorite cities in America by far. Yeah, it is great. It is definitely great. All right, I'm gonna throw a couple rapid rapid questions your way. Yep. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Yeah. What's your favorite food? Uh, probably Thai food. God damn that. it! That's a good answer. Yeah. What specifically? Uh, Pad Cu. That's usually my go-to. Oh wait, what is that? Oh, dude, it's like those big thick noodles. Oh, okay. Delicious. Delicious and nutritious. I had some of the best sushi of my life up in Olympia, Washington, 
two weeks ago, and I've nice. been daydreaming about it ever since. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Man, so good. Um, what is your favorite Disney and or Pixar feature-length animated movie? Oh, man. Oh, that's a tough one. I have a three-year-old daughter now, so that is... I don't get to watch anything I want to watch anymore. <laughs> it's all Pixar and Disney. Um, oh, God. I don't know. That's, that's and tough. It's tough. I'll throw I'll throw a few out. We'll go old school like Aladdin, Lion King, Little Mermaid, or are you more like the Wally, Toy Story? Dude, um, how good is Wally? How good is Wally? Wally's That's, nuts. Dude, that that is such a good movie. It's way it's so made for the adults. It really is. It's like a warning. You yeah. know, I, I would say like I feel like we're going toward Wally and totally. then uh idiocracy did you see idiocracy oh hell yeah uh, dude like we We, are almost there oh jesus we are there (laughs) yeah so uh i don't know i'm I'm probably gonna have to go with toy story the the first one that's good option good choice constant rotation right now so yeah i think uh the first toy story is probably gonna be the one you got me thinking speaking of movies so the fourth of july andrew and i were talking about fourth fourth of july movies last week um when was the last time you saw the sandlot Oh God! Uh, probably a year ago. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. I think I'm gonna go watch that either great. tonight or tomorrow. The great one, Benny uh, the yeah. Jet, dude. <laughs> that's right. Andrew and I were talking about ordering the PF Flyer shoes because you oh, can get those. Dude, I know. I'm, I'm on the verge. I know. I'm on the verge. I know. I keep in, like, almost doing Facebook it. Feed. I know, dude. I'm like, oh shit! I want to click on them. You're like, I think they're like seventy bucks. Oh, I kind I, I, I try to rationalize it. Like, ah, it's worth it. It's worth it. <laughs> They're basically just really expensive Converse, let's be honest. That's it, right, for sure. Yeah, that's a great movie. Um, I'll do one other for you. Favorite town to play a show in America? Um, Actually, anywhere, anywhere in the world. In America, okay, uh, I'll give you two. I'll give you one in the United States and one in Europe. Okay. So, um, favorite city to do a show in, I'm probably going to get a lot of heat for this, because it's such a pain in the ass but i'll say new york um irving plaza i love that venue um i, I love new york city too that's i just i love that city oh hell yeah and then, uh and then in europe is berlin um i, I love berlin that nice city fucking a, gets it yeah yeah i love it too except all the dog poop everywhere <laughs> yeah there is like there is definitely that weird like bohemian stretch where like you know you've got to be real cautious like not to let your curiosity get the best of you because you're probably gonna end up dead yeah uh yeah but yeah dude i love i love berlin that's awesome man so you how many times have you been over to europe um just once i was over there for a month a long um, time yeah was it mostly western europe uh we did um we did all of the UK, uh, with the exception of Ireland, uh, and then we did, uh, dude, we spent, like, God, we did so many shows in Germany, um, we did Switzerland, um, Holland, oh, I'm trying to remember the itinerary, Italy, Italy was awesome, uh, we did Paris, um, yeah, we, all over, yeah, it was, it was awesome. definitely all Western Europe, we didn't go... Yeah, we didn't we didn't go into Eastern Europe. Yeah. I would love to go to Eastern, but yeah, we didn't uh, we didn't have any of that. 
That's so cool. It's always interesting to hear when bands do break out in those other circuits, you know, the tour markets like Russia. Dude, um, yeah, for, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it, it really and those shows go off. Like we've we've sent some over into Eastern Europe, dude, and like those shows have they were just insane. Like um, one of our bands, Silent Screams, um, they did a whole Eastern Europe tour with uh, Asking Alexandria, and those shows were fucking bonkers dude they were why insane. is that is it just like the lack of things to do over there 100 percent. those kids are thirsty they're just things don't <laughs> really things things don't hit that that market that often you know so right. they do it just those kids go nuts that's fucking rad i mean that makes sense and even like in the states some of the best touring a band can do is the towns they think they shouldn't go to you know sure like, instead of going to boise go to the town the suburb of boise and play like a grain hall or a basement show for sure yeah because kids are just gonna go fucking bananas yeah totally 100 percent. absolutely yeah i mean especially if like if you're playing a certain demographic too like if your demographic is gonna appeal more to a suburban crowd go play those suburbs yeah inner city kids are too cool these days oh god they all are yep especially this generation god i'm old (laughs) (laughs) kids today uh, Jeremiah, I have to piss hard, so we're going to go do a little pee break. break i hope everyone had a great break it was great for us it might have been no time at all for you because you're the one listening um something happened in our break we're not sure what happened with jeremiah maybe his phone died or something but we lost connection with him uh hopefully he calls back and we'll finish it up with him but if he doesn't then thanks for being on jeremiah you're a rad dude and we'll definitely have you on again um gotta love what you're doing man really cool roster cool bands and um yeah i think you have a lot to offer yeah, we'll definitely catch up with him again soon. Right, Drew? Oh, yeah. Yes. Well, let's move on to our last segment of the show, and this is where we have our movie pick of the week. And Andrew and I went and saw a movie with my wife, Ashley, last week. Yeah, last week, a movie called Won't You Be My Neighbor? And We've talked about it on the show before. It's the documentary about Fred Rogers, uh, the show Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. It was really good. It was actually a little bit better than I thought it'd be. It was super fucking touching and like, and not even in a cheesy way. Like he was just such a unique guy, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's sad too. It's like a really happy movie because it's such a rad message and just about love and love is everything. No matter what you do in life, you have to bring that with you and whatever. Um, but he had such a, like a hopeful, a hopeful outlook on the future and unfortunately a lot of that didn't come true you know so it's kind of bittersweet it's a bittersweet movie at least from my opinion maybe maybe i'm not pessimistic but i don't know i've I left it just being so like inspired but also just kind of like just, i don't know 
It was, it's a really good movie. I highly recommend it, though. It was really well done. And I had no idea how interesting of a guy he really was and how hardworking he was. Super original. Really good. Um, it is out right now. We saw it in a very small independent movie theater, but apparently we didn't have to. Apparently it's it's everywhere now. So, <laughs> Man, that was really tough, too. That theater, what the fuck? Get your shit together, guys. I want to support local theaters. I want to support independent theaters. I'm a huge movie guy. But don't sell more tickets than you have seats. Step one. Jesus, man. Then Andrew and I waited forever in the line to get our our brewskis. But um, it's still a great theater, and I will continue to support it. But I'm just bitching. Because my life is too good, and I have to complain about things that don't really matter. You got a, a trailer up there, homeboy? Let's, let's play that. Let's cry together. Won't you please? Won't you please? Please won't you be my neighbor? Won't you be my neighbor? Good stuff. Good stuff. It was directed by the same people that did 20 Feet from Stardom. You ever see that, Andrew? No. Really good. It's, um... Because I don't need this anymore. It's a movie about... Uh, backup singers and I think specifically backup singer I could be wrong it might be like touring musicians I think it's just backup singers um you know the that the group of like duopy black girls that toured with Trent Reznor mm-hmm. on a couple album cycles ago she's yeah. in it and she's like toured with fucking everybody she's the voice on that Rolling Stone song where like that, that part where they just go off oh she sang in Pink Floyd uh anyway like all these people who yeah, like like the movie says, they're like twenty feet from stardom. They're they're almost the star, but they're always in the background. But they're just as talented, just as motivated, just as experienced. You know, they're veteran touring musicians who they're in the E Street Band with Bruce Springsteen. They back Trent Reznor. They back David Bowie. You know, it's really interesting. It's really well done. It gives you kind of a different in, um, insight on the other sides of. You know what it's like to be in a professional touring thing. But yeah, same same movie makers apparently. Man, that movie was so good. Uh, Won't you be my neighbor? So good. Like <laughs> Andrew and I, were, we noticed how people were just sniffling in the theater the whole fucking time. I've never heard so many goddamn sniffles in a movie theater in my entire life. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people were so, like, emotional. I know it's cheesy and stuff, but, man, it's it's really good to see. It's a bizarre time. It's good to see people moved. Doesn't happen often now. It was nice. Very, 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 very nice. Uh, a lot of good movies coming out. A lot of dumb movies coming out. <laughs> the, the first Purge is coming out. That's pretty fucking stupid. Have you ever seen any of the Purge movies, Andrew? Nope. You're not missing anything. Pretty dumb. Um, what's the other one? Oh, okay. The movie that our good friend Michael Draper is in is called Leave No Trace. It has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. And it was supposed to be just like a small independent release movie. And it's just blowing up. Now they're going to play it like Century 16 and Regal and shit. Nice. And Draper's in it. And so it's the true story of a father and daughter that live a 
perfect but mysterious existence in Forest Park. So up here in the West Hills. Um, basically, this dad who, you know, he's like uber libertarian and doesn't want anything to do with anyone and lives in the woods <laughs> of the suburbs of Portland, Oregon. And so, yeah, go from there. And it's apparently it's good enough that, like I said, it has a hundred percent good reviews so far. That's almost never. Mm-hmm. I mean, even like, you know, Academy award winning movies will have like high nineties, 95, 98%. I don't remember the last time movie at hundred percent get out had like 99%. And that was like the most talked about movie of the year. That's so rad. And our good friend Draper's in it. I wonder how, you know, who knows how much he's actually in it, but he's a part of it. Can't wait to go see it. Um, yeah, thanks again to Jeremiah from Scaram Management for being our guest on this episode. And yeah, once again, we, we hope that uh, we'll have him back to kind of button up this episode, but we totally understand. He was calling us from his car, so you know he's a busy guy. He pulled over and took our call, so we appreciate it. Um, a lot of good shows coming up, a lot of good guests. We're, we're booked out for a little while. And um, like, like I always say to you guys, we try to do one every episode or every week, an episode a week. And since the 4th of July is this Wednesday, we usually do it on Wednesday, so we figured we'd get one out on Monday. Um, so hopefully we'll have an episode up for you um, for the holiday. I hope everyone has a really fun 4th of July. I know I will. It's my big 35th birthday. Holy shit. I can't believe that. God damn it, Andrew. We're old. But also not too old, you know? You know? We're still young. Um, the Sandlot. Independence Day. Patriots Day. All these cheesy things you gotta do. You gotta get into... I, I like getting into holidays. Otherwise, what's the point? Life is short. Be cheesy. Have fun. Be safe out there, but not too safe. Blow up some shit. Drink some beer. Spend time with friends and family. And go America. Anything else, Andrew? That's it. I think we did it, right? Oh, yeah. We came in. We conquered. All right, yeah. Please uh, download the the podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. You know the drill. It, it really helps us out in what we're doing. And, yeah, we'll be back next week after the 4th of July week. And we love you and appreciate it. Thanks, guys. See you on the next one. Bye. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, 
We've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis. Punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz. And up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of the Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music. And I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday.